Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. We are going to blow out segments three and four, Sports Sense. NBA Commissioner David Stern is going to join us. I caught up with Commissioner Stern earlier this week. Lots of topics on the table. It's been about a year since he last joined us, so lots of things to cover. Segments three and four, NBA Commissioner David Stern and my one-on-one with him. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, anytime we can catch up with the commissioner, NBA commissioner David Stern, it's great. And as I always say, he's the most accessible commissioner in sports. You've got to give him credit for that. Oh, absolutely. And he's one of the only commissioners where I actually feel like when I listen to what he has to say, I learn something. Well, I will tell you, I did this interview earlier in the week, the longest interview I've done in the history of sports business radio. David Stern was my first ever guest when we launched this show back in 2004, but We kept talking and talking, and he didn't seem like he needed to go anywhere, and I had a lot of things I wanted to cover with him, so we went on and on, and uh, that's why we've got two segments, segments three and four, devoted to my conversation with David Stern. Well, on the human side to David Stern, he even asked you about yourself after the interview is over, which I think is pretty cool. Well, he's just, he's a pretty nice guy. I ask him some tough questions. We talk about Seattle. We talk about New Orleans. We talk about expansion into China, amongst other things. But uh, good interview. Stay tuned in segments three and four. We're also going to talk about the NFL draft. What were the TV ratings like? Uh, Lots of things going on with the draft. Two networks covering the draft, ESPN and the NFL Network. I have my thoughts on the coverage from both stations. We'll tell you what the ratings were like. And then this weekend, the Kentucky Derby is taking place. The first Saturday in May, it takes place every single year. Some things going on around the Derby that we will discuss. Yeah, and Yum Brands is the sponsor again, and there's more to that, which we're going to discuss in headlines, but I always find that funny about the Derby. And then the last thing we'll discuss, lots of movement. The coaching carousel in the NBA is in full movement. We will talk about that coming up next in headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the NFL Draft 2008 edition last weekend in New York. Nathan, much shorter, much faster draft this year. A lot of people like that. The first two rounds of last weekend's NFL Draft lasted a combined five hours and 53 minutes. That's compared to six hours and eight minutes for the first round alone last year. First round this year, three hours, 33 minutes. I liked it. It moved a lot faster. There's nothing worse than when you're sitting there just going, man, I wish these teams would make their picks a little faster. Well, yeah, and I think that that has to do with the fact that most of the teams knew who they were going to pick. The star power wasn't there this year. There wasn't the debate over who they were going to take. Everybody pretty much had an idea of what direction they were going to go, I think, this year. In the past, we've had three, four superstars right there in the first round. That alone takes a lot of time. Well, look, we had... Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Vince Young, last year Jamarcus Russell, some big names, Brady Quinn. This year, the first two guys picked are the Longs, Jake Long and Chris Long, linemen. Not a lot of glamour around that, and the TV ratings were down 15% on ESPN this year. Now, ESPN promotes this thing, my gosh, they start promoting this thing like three months in advance, so everyone knows it's taking place. I just don't think it was as compelling this year. Frankly, I think the NFL Network did a much better job than ESPN covering the draft. Adam Schefter, who's the NFL Network's kind of uh, gossip reporter, the guy who really knows about everything before it's going to happen, he was right on top of things. He did a great job. NFL Network, uh, I thought, was just more thorough with their coverage than ESPN. Well, I unfortunately only had the opportunity to watch ESPN. I thought they did a good job. You're right about promoting it way too early, and it's funny you mentioned Brady Quinn. I think that's what made the draft seem so long last year was everybody was waiting for Brady Quinn to get picked. It seemed like forever, and actually it was forever. Well, this year they only had six players in the green room, so there wasn't the suspense that there was last year when you were sitting there going, oh, poor Brady Quinn. Look at him. He's really plummeting. He's the last guy in the green room he looks uncomfortable this year there was none of that suspense and frankly I think that's another one of the reasons why the ratings were down our next headline the NBA coaching carousel is in full swing it's going round and round Pat Riley legendary coach has won several championships including a few years ago in Miami with the Heat as their head coach he's being replaced by a longtime assistant Eric Spolstra Spolster has been at Riley's side for 13 years. I think Spolster is a good hire. 37 years old, youngest coach in the NBA going into next season. Now, there were a few coaches that lost their jobs. Avery Johnson is out in Dallas. He and Mark Cuban have butted heads. It's going to be interesting to see what direction they go in next. Phoenix, rumors are running rampant that Mike D'Antoni is either going to be fired or is going to resign. I'm sure... Johnson and D'Antoni are going to be on the the wish list of several teams out there, probably the Knicks, the Bulls, and whoever else may have a coaching change. Larry Brown, what a vagabond. This guy's on his ninth NBA team. (laughs) And still getting paid by, like, all of them. Yeah, I mean, he made, like, what, $48 million for not coaching uh, in New York. He's now in, in Charlotte. The connection here, Michael Jordan, North Carolina alum. Larry Brown, North Carolina alum. It's going to be interesting to see how those two strong personalities get along, though. I don't know that this is going to be a long-term situation for Larry Brown 
in Charlotte. Well, the Knicks is the one that I really want to watch. That and the Heat. The Heat had such a fall from grace this season that, you know, they need a miracle, I think, next season. And hopefully uh, Spolster will help them out with that. And Riley, I hate to see him go out like that, but we've talked about the New York Knicks for the past two seasons, how bad they are, how disorganized they are. I'd like to see the Knicks get back on track. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. Our next headline. The BCS folks got together and talked about what's worked and what hasn't worked. And a lot of people like us have wanted to see the system change. We don't like the bowl system the way it is. People have argued for the plus one format. SEC commissioner and BCS coordinator of the past, Mike Slive, he's been a guest on this show. He argued for the plus one format this week, did a presentation to the committee. Well, guess what? Nothing's going to change until... 2013, most likely 2014 at the earliest, there was such little interest in changing the format by the people at this meeting that a formal vote wasn't even taken. Now, the ABC ESPN contract with the Rose Bowl expires after 2013. That is probably the earliest that we'll see a format change. Nathan, this is disappointing to me. This is one of the biggest disappointments. I was so hoping for an NCAA college basketball-style playoff. We all know how exciting that is. March Madness just ended. And, you know, that's seven years away that we're going to be able to watch possibly. That's just a that's just an outside shot that we're going to be able to watch a playoff system in football. The bowl game isn't that bad. I know that you're going to mention now they've added two more bowl games to the schedule, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, that was the other part of this meeting. As uh, if there weren't enough bowl games, two more have been added. The Congressional Bowl, which will be played in Washington, D.C., and the St. Petersburg Bowl, which will be played in St. Petersburg, Florida. There's now 34 bowl games. I mean, it seems like every other team gets into a bowl game And, again, I can't think of another system where the results aren't decided on the field. They're decided with polls and computers. It just makes no sense to me. It's absolutely ridiculous. And the the funny thing is, like you said, it's every other team. It basically is every other team. That's 64 teams that are getting to play in bowl games. The only upside to this is there's always bowl games to be watched during that time of year, which is always fun. Our next headline, the Kentucky Derby taking place this weekend. The presenting sponsor, Yum Brands. Well, they're not going to be offering a $1 million bonus anymore to the winner of this year's race based on its winning margin. That's according to the Louisville Courier-Journal. Last year, Yum debuted the Yum Facta bonus, if you remember. So if any horse beat the six-and-a-half lengths margin of victory by Barbro in 2006, then they got this $1 million bonus. Nathan, a lot of people complained about it because they said, first of all, the response was lukewarm. It didn't really add that much to the Yum Facta bonus or Yum Brands as a sponsor. But then people said, you know, if I'm a jockey and this is the first race of the Triple Crown, I'm not going to be taking the whip to my horse and getting it to run faster so I can try and win a million dollars. Well, you know what I'm going to complain about? The fact that Yum Brands is still sponsoring the Kentucky Derby. I just don't... I, I can't see Taco Bell and KFC with the Kentucky Derby. More money, you know, Taco Bell's for broke people and college students... The Kentucky Derby's for the rich of the rich. Well, and how many jokes do we hear about? What kind of meat did they have in Taco Bell? You know, is it horse meat? What kind, you know, so, yeah, it seems like an odd sponsorship. I don't know that Yum Brands can say, hey, look, our business has really spiked upward because we've been a sponsor of the Kentucky Derby. Can't you Kentucky see all Derby? those debutantes going to Taco Bell after the Derby's over? Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Our next headline, the New York Yankees with a payroll well over $200 million. They are stinking up the joint, and lots of players from the Yankees on the DL, including the $28 million man, A-Rod, 
Philip Hughes, their young pitcher, Jorge Posada, uh, Wilson Betamit. You know, it's just amazing again to me, Nathan. Look at the standings. The Florida Marlins in first place. Total payroll, $21 million. Oakland A's in first place. Total payroll is around $28 million. Uh, these teams, Tampa Bay, the Rays are in first place. All these teams with team payrolls that are basically equivalent to A-Rod's salary by himself, they're in first place. The Yankees continue to slide, and it really looks like they're, they're going to miss the postseason for the first time in a long, long time. Joe Torre, meanwhile, with the Dodgers, they've won five in a row as of this uh, recording, and um, I think Torrey got out at the right time. Well, yeah, and, you know, this seems to be a trend with the Yankees anyway. We've talked about this the last couple seasons, that the Yankees have these all-star players, and whether they're on the DL or they're on the field, they can't seem to put it together. Now, they've snuck into the playoffs the last couple seasons. You're right, though. This might be the season they don't. Well, there's a former Yankee that has faced more trouble this week, and he's our Caught in the Crosslights focus. For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. Well, it used to be that our whipping boy for this segment was one Barry Lamar Bonds. Bonds pretty much out of the spotlight now, not playing anywhere for any team. Uh, He's awaiting his trial probably come later this year. But Roger Clemens, Roger Clemens in the news again this week. The New York Daily News reports that Clemens and country singer Mindy McCready had a 10-year affair. Now, you know, the problem is this. It's not that big of a deal that an athlete is having an affair. We see that all the time, unfortunately. It doesn't make it right, but it's, that's the way it is. Here's the problem, though, Nathan. Reportedly, this affair started when Clemens was 28 and Mindy McCready was 15. By my math, that's not good news for Roger Clemens. And, you know, here's the main point here. Roger Clemens has tried to become believable on 60 Minutes at the congressional hearings. Uh, he's got a defamation suit against his former trainer, Brian McNamee, saying, you defamed my character. I'm really a good guy, an upstanding guy. You hear stories like this, it makes you doubt Roger Clemens even more. Well, yeah, Michael Vick right now couldn't be happier because Roger Clemens has stole the Cotton the Crosslight spotlight. And you're right. He's trying to prove himself innocent about baseball, and some people might have started to believe him. But then you look at the kind of character he has off the field, and we're not sure what type of affair it was, just for clarification. But something was going on. He was giving her money. He was helping her out from the age of 15. That doesn't bid well for your character. Well, I mean, again, like we just said, has anyone fallen from grace more than Roger Clemens? A year ago, we're talking about sure shot Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, this guy may be the greatest pitcher of all time. A year later now, we're talking about him in the same breath with Barry Bonds and even a Michael Vick. He's a pariah. He's disappointing. He continues to, uh, you know, his skeletons continue to come out of the closet and is just really not good for him. And the moral of the story, I've said this a million times on the show. I do media training. This is what I say. A lot of times, the cover-up is worse than the crime itself. He's covered this up. If you continue to run, the media will chase you. And that's basically what's happened with Roger Clemens. I have a feeling this isn't the last skeleton that we're going to see come out of Roger Clemens's closet. Coming up next, NBA Commissioner David Stern. I had a chance to catch up with the commissioner earlier this week. First time in about a year that I had a chance to speak with him. So many things that we wanted to talk about on the docket that we're going to devote segments three and four, our next two segments, to my conversation 
with NBA Commissioner David Stern. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000. The year before you bought the Mavericks, they were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. He's in his 24th year as the NBA Commissioner. Commissioner Stern, thanks so much for being gracious to join us once again on the show. It's my pleasure. Commissioner Stern, it's been another successful season for the NBA attendance-wise. TV ratings are up. We saw some big names change uniforms, which always makes things more interesting. Looking back on this past season, uh, what are some of the highlights for you? Well, I think you have to start with the um, with the, just the basketball being played in the West. The, the race in the West was probably the most competitive in our history, where a, a very successful team like Golden State, with 48 wins, didn't even make the playoffs. Right. I'd say the um, the All Star Weekend in New Orleans, which was, I think, a wonderful showpiece for the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana, and really made all of our guests feel good as they contributed to the rebuilding of this great American city, and really the continued emergence of the young stars. The uh, there are just so many, and many of them are getting a chance to shine in the playoffs, who are uh, you know, making their mark on the NBA together with the not-so-young stars, uh, the Kobe's, Shaq's, Kevin Garnett's, and the like, and uh, Tim Duncan's, and then the enormous uh, continued success of the international players demonstrating that this game really is very much a global game. You know, coming into the season, the Tim Donaghy situation was a big story. But I've got to tell you, when you look at the textbook for how to handle a crisis PR situation, I thought you were brilliant. You immediately addressed the situation. You've been as transparent as possible. Since then, it's really been a non-story. I'm sure this had to have been a wake-up call for NBA and for the security of the sports leagues around the country. Have you talked to any of the other sports leagues about security measures, and, and what are you doing to maybe improve those measures in light of what happened with Donaghy? Well, we we are, and I know other leagues are too, stepping up our background checks and our rechecks of officials, although we had a pretty extensive one in place. Uh, we're making it more extensive. We are 
working hard with respect to making sure that officials are, you know, not given uh, or ac- access to certain pregame information. Um, I'm not sure how, how that's going to work its way out, but we're doing that and making sure that they can't contact anybody once they're in their locker rooms ready for the game. Uh, we're announcing the identity of officials at the morning of the game rather than making people wait until they uh, uh, they get to the arena and come out on the floor. And generally, in a lot of things that we're not publicizing, uh, making sure that we keep even better track of the betting and a variety of other things that go on in the context of gambling on sporting events. I want to switch gears for a minute. I saw an item this week. Uh, it looked like NBA owners really seeking to close the gap between the high and low revenue franchises. They've approved a plan that increases the amount of shared revenue doled out annually to deserving teams to $49 million. That's up 63% from $30 million. Can you explain to the layperson how this is going to help the low revenue franchises in your league? That's always the concern of any league. I, I think your 63% number, that's interesting. So 15, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> um, Thank you. Okay. Um, actually, what happens in a situation like ours where you have a salary cap, you you determine salary based upon a percentage of the revenue of the overall league. And this necessarily... Uh, disadvantages to some modest degree the small revenue teams because they need to compete with the large revenue teams for players while at the same time the large revenue teams have more uh, generate the greater amount of revenue and so as a result it puts enormous financial pressure on the lower revenue teams and what we've done is we've come up with a formula for for sharing revenue with them so that they can have an opportunity to break even or make a profit and participate in this league because we want to keep our, 20, our 30 teams healthy. Well, so basically what it seems like is the, the Lakers and the Knicks and the big market teams are going to share a little bit of those revenues that they're able to get from that big market with the Milwaukee's and the New Orleans of the world. Is that correct? Correct. Providing that the Milwaukee's and the New Orleans, and to the extent that the Milwaukee's and the New Orleans, are maximizing the potential of their market. So they can't just sit back and say, hey, send me a check at the end of every year. I'm going to sit back and rest on my laurels. That's correct. All right, I'm going to talk about a topic with you, and I know it's not a fun topic for you, but I'm based up here in the Pacific Northwest. I want to talk about the Sonics, and I'm not going to talk about Clay Bennett and emails, but what I do want to talk about is Seattle is the gateway to China. That's an incredibly important market for you. It's the 14th biggest media market in the country. Oklahoma City is 45th. How does this relocation, if it does in fact happen, affect the business model of the NBA? From a business standpoint, just looking at it on the on the surface, it doesn't seem to make much sense. Well, I, I would say that it's not something we would do if there were a, had been a building in Seattle that was the building that everybody knows and acknowledges that the team needs to continue to exist and hopefully prosper in Seattle. So we don't have the luxury of just saying, okay, we can stay in Seattle. So that sort of cuts out the underpinning of your question. But that said, um, this uh, the gateway to uh, 
China issue or gateway to Asia is really um, not a significant factor to us. We have offices now in Shanghai, Hong Kong, Beijing, likely have you know one in Guangdong province, Guangzhou in the relatively near future, and are moving full speed ahead. So with the gateway, I mean, to me the loss is it's just a great city that has wonderful fans that have supported the NBA for four decades. Um, as a business matter, actually my guess is that Oklahoma City will do fine um, and will, you know, in, even possibly increase the revenues that the Sonics currently make. And do you see, you know, I know Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer has stepped up. He's got a group. He said, hey, we want to save basketball here in the state of Washington. Has every avenue been exhausted? You know, that was an opportunity that was available to all uh, people when the team was being sold by Howard Schultz. They were uh, represented by an investment bank that gave all the relevant citizens a copy of the so-called memorandum on the team, and uh, the current group are the one that bought it, and and nothing was heard from from any of the other citizens of Seattle. Um, indeed, I think that uh, this was a late um, attempt to close the door when the horse was trotting out of the barn. I've said the same thing on this show. I think it's too little, too late, and this should have been dealt with uh, several years ago. Uh, my guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. Commissioner Stern, let's talk about China for a moment. I had the amazing opportunity to spend time in Beijing last August with Steve Nash, Yao Ming, Carmelo Anthony, Baron Davis, Kobe Bryant, some other guys that were over there raising money for charity. And I've got to tell you, I was absolutely blown away by the NBA's presence in China. Your league and the players are by far uh, more visible than any U.S. sports league. You've done an amazing job over there. I know you hired Tim Chin, the former Microsoft executive, to, to run NBA China last October. Is the Olympics approach in August? Tell us about the growth in China. You touched on that a minute ago. Well, you know, we have enormous television exposure in China. We have deals with 51 different stations or networks because that's the way you have to cover that vast country. We have enormous retail relationships. Adidas, our official apparel and shoe supplier, has 4,000 stores of its own, and we now have plans to open up as many as 1,000 NBA-only stores. Um, we have large marketing partnerships with Chinese corporations and global corporations doing business in China, and we uh, play games there. We played in 2004. The U.S. national team played there in 2006. Um, we're going to be playing there this year. Um, so it's, uh, you know, we have events, we have television, we have sponsorships, we have retail, and uh, of great interest to us is the digital marketplace because China recently surpassed the U.S. in the number of Internet users. And... Uh, we do a very robust business digitally in China as well. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Yao versus Yi game got more viewers than the Super Bowl this year. And and that's over in Asia, obviously. But do you see a day, a decade from now, where your revenues in China are exceeding your revenues here in the United States? You know, that's, uh, 
That's a hard one. I mean, there may come a day, but I think that day is very far off. We've got a 60-year head start here, and and I think that the rate of growth will be double digits for the next decade, but it's a, still a relatively small amount of our overall revenue, so it will become very significant, but I don't know that it will begin to approach the $4 billion worth of revenue that we currently are doing in the U.S. More of my interview with NBA Commissioner David Stern. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. What were the terms that got that big deal done? These guys know. Sports Business Radio. Now more of my conversation with NBA Commissioner David Stern. Let's return to the homeland for a minute. New Orleans, you mentioned one of the nicest moments of the year, the NBA All-Star Weekend. I thought your league did a fantastic job with that. The NBA Cares program, everyone was out rolling up their sleeves. That was fantastic. Now I know attendance has been up sharply since the All-Star Game in New Orleans. They've got that clause there that says after next season, if they don't average roughly 14,000 fans a game, they can opt out of their lease agreement. Talk about the long-term uh, potential of basketball in New Orleans. I'm rooting for them in the playoffs. I think what they're doing is fantastic. Chris Paul such an exciting player as well. Well, they did, in fact, meet their attendance benchmarks. Uh, they had an extraordinary end-of-season run, and now I think they've already sold 2,000 new season tickets for next year. So I think that the benchmarks set out in the lease to keep them there are going to be met, and that's very exciting for us. Well, you and your league deserve a lot of credit for what's going on there. I mean, again, you guys have done an amazing job over there. You didn't give up, and uh, it's been fantastic. And George Shin and Hugh Weber and Chad Shin and the entire group that runs that club have been out there arduously working. The government agencies, the... uh, uh, development authorities, the corporate community, and the fans. And it's really quite rewarding to see the community rally around the team the way they have and to realize the benefit that comes from having uh, New Orleans showcased to the world on an ongoing basis 41 times a year when the teams visit and even the mention, the very mention of the team when they're on the road another 41 times plus playoffs. So it's a good... It's a good marriage, and we hope very much to remain in New Orleans. 
Commissioner Stern, I'm based in Portland. Uh, the Trailblazers, they've really turned things around on the court and off the court the last two years. I know you and a contingent of NBA executives came to Portland this year kind of to show your stamp of approval. Maybe you can share your thoughts on the progress taking place here in Portland. Well, I just want to, I don't know, bouquets to everybody. <laughs> to Paul Allen for reuniting the building and the team, for bringing in Larry Miller to lead the charge here of reconnecting in a very positive way with the community and uh, the attendance turnaround the feeling of the community for the team and the quality of the team on the court um, is a uh, was a wonderful thing to behold this season and this is some young team that's going to make a lot of noise especially when Greg Oden rejoins them uh, so this is a this is a team very much on the rise that represents the community wonderfully. It's going to be fun to watch. Just a few questions left. We're joined by NBA Commissioner David Stern. Uh, Commissioner Stern, a few months ago, Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver joined me on this show, and we discussed the controversy surrounding last season's suspensions of Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw. Something I wanted to clarify with you. I asked him if he made any motion at the Board of Governors meetings to revisit the leaving the bench rule. And he said that particular rule was not a rule that the owners could vote to change. Only the league could change that rule. Can you set the record straight and talk about maybe what rules can be changed by the owners and what rules are rules that can only be governed by the the league office? I would say that there's nothing that, that I do or that we do that isn't subject to a change and direction by the NBA Board of Governors. They control completely uh, what we do at the league office. We get all of our power from them. It is true that we uh, have implemented this rule, but if the board voted to change that rule and said they didn't want us to implement it that way, we would. Indeed, strangely enough, we went to the... um, to the competition committee after this event, and we said, do you want to make a proposal to change this rule to the, make a proposal to the Board of Governors? And they said, absolutely not. Don't do, don't change a thing. We all know what the rule is. It's there to protect the players, and uh, both the players on the court and the players who would run out to mix it up, and, uh, and so no change was made. Well, I think that was a wake-up call for players, coaches, and everyone else because that rule hasn't uh, been broken since. I want to talk to you just quickly about the NBA, the NCAA. You have a new partnership. Uh, I saw you at a press conference with NCAA President Dr. Miles Brand. How is this partnership going to change the way basketball is organized in this country? Probably not a lot uh, in the short run, and we'll just have to await the longer-term results. But But we think that the coalition of... USA Basketball, the AAU, the National Federation of State High School Associations, the NBA, the NCAA, the Athletic Shoe and Apparel Companies, and the Coaches Associations have the capacity to change for the better, um, you know, the training of our youngsters in high school and the like, the summer programs they have, the certifications of the coaches and the referees, and also a focus on elite athletes to help them better prepare for 
life after basketball or a life with basketball if they're lucky enough to get scholarships collegiately. And so this is a very broad program with all of the stakeholders coming together to see what uh, what we can do to improve it. It may take a while because there are no magic bullets here, but we'll see what happens. There were some whispers that the minimum age requirement may be you got to stay in college for two years now. I personally think that would be a good rule. Uh, do you think that's something that may happen as part of this uh, partnership? No, it can't, it's, this partnership is not relevant to that. That's a subject for collective bargaining between the NBA and its Players Association. And that agreement is not currently open to bargaining for three more years. Okay, last question. I know you're a politically-minded person. I want to go back to China for a minute. The Olympics take place in Beijing in August. Obviously, there's a substantial amount of controversy around the host country's policies around the world, specifically in Tibet and Darfur. You know, some political leaders have discussed skipping the opening ceremonies in protest of China's policies. I want to get your take. Should we leave politics and Olympics and the athletes and the competition separate, or do you think this is a good platform for politics to be discussed? I think it becomes a good platform for politics. I wouldn't say politics, but policies to be discussed, whether it's by the nature of protest or the nature of large discussions that deal with things somehow tangentially related to the Olympics. I, you know, I think that's a, a very American way, and I think that's absolutely fine. I'm not sure that it should ever turn violent, um, and I don't know that boycotts of games themselves are a good tool because it seems to be the consensus that the Olympic boycotts of Moscow and Los Angeles harmed only the athletes and didn't achieve any other particular result. Uh, so it's really a very interesting uh, subject, but I think that people should be encouraged to speak out. I think that uh, I think that the Olympics, you know, we're always going to have policy discussions around them, uh, but I but I think that. I give them the benefit of the doubt in their staging because this is an event like all sports and cultural events that have the capacity to bring people together rather than to separate them. Will you be attending the Olympics? I will be attending um, the end of the Olympics or some part of it as hopefully to see the U.S. win the gold medal in basketball. Right. Speaking as an American rather than the NBA commissioner. Well, they've got China in round one. That's a tough matchup right out of the chute. Well, it's interesting, but you know, it, it's not a, it's, in round one. It's not a it's not a single elimination. Right. So uh, you know, so uh, everyone's feeling everyone else out uh, in round one, and I think they play under the under the FIBA format, which is not the most uh, progressive one. I think you play. I think you play for a year and you eliminate two teams. <laughs> And then you play for another year. You know, this is the basketball competition is really the, I think it's the longest competition in the Olympics. Yeah, I think you're right. Commissioner Stern, you're always gracious to join us. I really appreciate you uh, making time and best of luck with the playoffs in the year ahead. Thank you, Brian. It's always a pleasure. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is 
Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back with our final segment on this edition of Sports Business Radio. And a lot of us have watched uh, The Apprentice with Donald Trump, pretty popular show on NBC. I don't watch it very often, but there was a news item that caught my eye this week. There's a gentleman that has reached out to Donald Trump and said, I'd like to be on The Apprentice. They've done the celebrity edition. Uh, Someone that would like to kill to be on the show. Hi, Nathan. And and in many people's opinion, has killed. O.J. Simpson, the juice, wants to be on The Apprentice. This is ridiculous. In my opinion, the only way he should be on The Apprentice is if they do The Apprentice, the prison version. O.J. Simpson, you've had your 15 minutes of fame. You've taken this country through all the drama we need, the car chase. I don't think O.J. Simpson should be allowed on The Apprentice, Nathan. I, I agree with you. The only, the only upside to this is that the winner of The Celebrity Apprentice picks a charity and then gives the money that they win to a charity. Now, I don't know what charity O.J. would give it to, but at least it wouldn't go to him. Well, we don't know that for sure. He'd probably find some way to put that money in his own pocket. Another story we wanted to cover just before uh, we conclude today's show. We saw a few weeks ago there was that uh, Gino Castronoli, the worker who was helping build the new Yankee Stadium. He's from the Bronx, but he's a big Boston Red Sox fan. And as they were pouring concrete... He threw a David Ortiz Boston Red Sox jersey into the concrete. And the Yankees brass found out about this, and they said, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to have a David Ortiz Red Sox jersey buried in the new Yankee stadium, and I have to hear about this for the next however many years and talk about jinxes and all that kind of stuff. So they spent five hours busting the concrete, digging up this jersey. They dug it up, and they said, listen, we're going to take this jersey. We're going to put it on eBay, proceeds will be raised for the Jimmy Fund, which raises money for cancer research. Fantastic charity in Northeast United States. Nathan, how much money was raised? $175,000 for that jersey to a great cause. So here's my take. Gino Castronoli, the Boston Red Sox, if you don't have this guy come throughout the first pitch of the game this year, you're making a big mistake. This guy just raised hundred seventy-five grand for the Jimmy Fund, and he brought a new level to the rivalry of the Red Sox-Yankees, even though the Yankees are really stinking it up this year. Uh, people talk about this for decades. I think it's great. Now, Nathan, you have a story to share. We talk about negative things on this show a lot, but Caught we try and balance it off with positive things. 
We saw sportsmanship taken to a new level this week. Tell us the story. Well, I think we have an SB sportsmanship winner right now. Western Oregon was playing Central Washington in uh, women's softball. I believe it was Division Two. I'm not quite sure. But one of the players from Western Oregon hit a home run. And first home run she'd ever hit. She's rounding first base, misses the base because she's so excited, goes back to tag first and blows her ACL out, tears her knee up. She can't walk. Wow. And according to rules, a coach, a trainer from her team cannot help her get around the base. So she either gets a pinch runner and it's only a single or she has to crawl around the bases. Well, now two players from Central Washington picked her up. The opposing team. The opposing team. This is to go into the playoffs, pick her up, and walk her around each base, touch the base, and touch home, and they won the game. The girl that hit the home run, that was the winning home run to go to the playoffs, a senior, the ultimate act of kindness and sportsmanship. This is a fantastic story. Well, we see the ESPYs. Those are coming up soon. Our boy Justin Timberlake is going to be hosting the ESPYs. This has got to be up for some kind of award. It's fantastic, and it's really good to see. As I said, we concentrate way too much on the negative. Probably don't talk enough about the positive and, uh, you know, great story to hear. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. NBA Commissioner David Stern, thank you so much for joining us. You know, it had been about a year since we caught up with him. Great insight. If you want to hear the interview on demand, if you missed it live, go on to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the interviews page. You can hear my conversation from this week with NBA Commissioner David Stern. We want to thank our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week by going to SportsBusinessRadio.com and clicking on the podcast page. Some exciting news, 95.5 FM, the game in Portland, we're moving. We have a new flagship home. Exciting for us. 955thegame.com if you want to check out the new flagship home of Sports Business Radio. Tremendous show. Thanks again to Commissioner David Stern for joining us. We will see you next week. I'm Brian Berger. Have a fantastic week. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.